I'm just going to put a caveat on this. I don't normally look like this. I wasn't in a fight last night. Um, I, was, I, I played rugby, um, which I play for a charity veterans team. Um, and every time I play, I say it's my last game. And <laughs> once again, I probably said that several times last night. Um, we, played against the, uh, we played against Gloucester Rugby Vets. So we played against um, ex-professionals and um, two World Cup winners, and we got absolutely battered physically and the scoreline. So uh, I'm, I'm feeling it a bit. So I'm going to walk around so that I don't just stand here, and when I'm finished, I'm literally going to fall over because everything seizes up. <laughs> So I'm going to keep moving. Um, let's, uh, let's first of all see who went for the same color and who went for like lots of different colors. What did we do here? Different. Yeah, that's good. So my wife went for like all oranges and yellows and nicely organized. And I went for like everything different, color, shape, size, gaps between the lot which sort of sums up our, our marriage and our parenting skills, <laughs> how we work in the house together. It's, it's very similar. Um, yeah, so my name's Ian. Um, it, is, it is honestly a joy. I mean, I know everyone who comes and speaks probably starts with that, but really, you know, um, we know uh, Daniel and Emily, um, my background. Um, I was actually a vineyard pastor. Um, 20 years ago, so, um, you know, we, we love the Vineyard family, and we feel um, sort of part of it on a, on a broader sense, and so it genuinely is great to be with you. Um, one question, if you were an animal, what would you be? Yeah, you did? You're a dog, and why? And why? Why is that? You've self-identified, or is this your wife as a dog? Okay. Are we going to elaborate on why? Or we're not going to? Don't, don't maybe not go. Ah, uh, very good. Yes, good. Anybody else want to chip in? Yeah, yeah. What, what we got? You'd be a parrot. Because you, because you keep talking? You want to have crackers. Yeah, nice. Very good. Anybody over here? Was it? No, no, no. You'd be... A, you can sleep a lot as a cat, right? Like a whole cat family, lions, the lot. Yeah. Okay. Hmm? Badger? Cute but, ang cute but angry. We've never met, but I, I like you. <laughs> yeah, that's good, right? Okay. Now, do you know in the Bible what, uh, what God, the most common way that God refers to us and our relationship with Him? There's a lot of analogies and metaphors and stories in the Bible, right? Do you know what the most common used analogy, metaphor, is for us and God. Sheep. Sheep. 400 times. From the Old Testament through the New, God refers to us as sheep. And over 100 times, He refers to leaders, as in the leaders, uh, you know, from um, family leaders through to sort of civil leaders, country leaders, so that through to the priests. He refers to them as shepherds. I went to, um, or we went to, a, a wedding out in Herefordshire, 
or a month ago, a month ago. And we got there on the sat-nav, and we go through these really posh gates. And the, the, the Holm House, I think it was. And we get to Holm House, we go through the gates, and this, on this pillar it's Holm, and this pillar it's house, and we drive in, and the sat-nav says, one mile to go to destination. And I'm like, well, this is the gate. <laughs> It's like, and sure enough, there's a mile drive, okay? So we carry on and we go around this little bit past a little church and a couple of little buildings, and then we end over a cattle grid and into a field. And the drive keeps going through the field, and there's sheep everywhere in the field. And I drive up slowly, and this sheep is in the middle of the road. So as I drive a bit slower, this sheep turns and starts running down the road. The sheep at no point thinks, I'll go left onto the grass, or I'll go right onto the grass. The sheep just goes through this field, which must be three, four hundred yards. So it goes all the way till it gets to the other cattle grid at the other end and goes, okay, now, I can't, now I'll turn right and I'll just go onto the grass. And I'm following this sheep thinking, man, sheep are dumb. <laughs> like, real stupid. Like, sheep are dumb. You know, sheep get lost. They wander around. I was brought up in Wales, spent a lot of time in mid-Wales walking, walking the Breckens and things like that. And sheep stand on the edge, like they stand on really dodgy ground. They stand on really, really rubbish ground. They lose their way. They stick to a stupid decision when there's a sensible one right next to them. They need help to find good food. They need help to stay safe. They can't even see. If, if the sheepfold is there and they can see it, they won't go home. They'll happily just wander off here randomly. They can't even see what's in front of them. They'll follow someone else aimlessly, and they're pretty stubborn. And God says we're like sheep. <laughs> and sometimes we read those passages and we think, oh, I'm cute and fluffy, and God loves me. And he does love us. But it's probably more of a bit of an insult <laughs> when he calls us sheep. And you know what? Sheep also don't, they don't take the long view. If you left sheep on their own in a field, they'd eat it till it was gravel. They'd eat down all that grass, and then they'd probably just lay down and die. <laughs> they don't take the long view. When you look at shepherds out, I, I, I did, um, I read quite a lot and, and learned quite a lot about shepherds in the Middle East particularly, um, because we, don't, we, we misunderstand it actually. We misunderstand shepherds and sheep, um, whereas actually you read the Bible, there's a lot of farming stories, because Jesus was speaking to a farming, a farming nation, a farming culture, so it makes sense. And they sort of still make sense to us, these stories, but we don't quite get them to the depth and the level that, that the original hearers would have, would have got those stories. And actually, you find the shepherds moving the sheep through the wilderness, not through a farm, but through the wilderness. And the shepherds will move them from this little bit of grass, and then he'll leave a bit, or she'll leave a bit, and then she'll move the flock onto the next hillside, and will graze this hillside for a bit, so that when, over the couple of days, or maybe a week, comes back to this hillside, there's still some food here, taking the long view. But the sheep don't do that on their own. There's no planning or anything like that. Let me illustrate how dumb sheep can be. So the farmer's done a good job and he's helped them out. He's got him out of the ditch. <laughs> what I like in this one is he puts the fence back up and he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, all right, 
We got another one? Yeah, let's, 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 let's get them both. So this one's proper stuck. The shepherd needs to pull him out. A picture tells a thousand words or something like that. You know, sheep are pretty helpless. They're pretty, they can't find their own food. They can't even defend themselves. They're, they're pretty foolish. They can get pulled out of a, a ditch <laughs> and all excited jump around that they're free <laughs> and then go and jump back in the same ditch. <laughs> you know, I, I use, I only found these clips the last couple of weeks, but I, I use that analogy a lot. With a different hat on, I do um, some sort of debt counseling and, and sort of money budget stuff, which I think, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I've done a lot of that in the past. My background was in finance, so I've done a lot of that. And one of the analogies I used to say to people is, look, I'm going to help you get out of debt. But if, you're gonna, if I'm going to help you out of this little hole and you're going to walk around this big corner and dive in a bigger hole, Let's, let's just stop now. Let's stay in the little hole, <laughs> you know? And that, that's one of the analogies I've used for, for years about helping people um, out, out of that situation. So sheep need a shepherd like no other animal. Now, before you take this insult, which it is <laughs> too far, there's a lot of analogies and metaphors in the Bible, you know? And, and so let's hold it in context that, you know, we're not always like sheep but we can be like sheep, and we need a shepherd. Now, what do, what do shepherds do? What is it that shepherds do? Well, they do all the things that I, um, I just said sheep don't, aren't good at. They, when they're lost, they go find them. When they've got a disease, they clean them. When they're wandering off in the wrong direction, they give them direction. When they get attacked, they defend for them. They fight for them. Or at least that's what good shepherds do. And that's, you know, when the Bible refers to shepherds, it's talking about leaders. And we're all, in many ways, we're all leaders. We might be a leader in work, a manager. We might be, a, a, you know, I don't know. I don't think we've got necessarily any politicians here. But, you know, we got, you might be a leader in the country. But, you know, you might be a leader at home if you've got kids. And a shepherd, a good shepherd, will do all those things in leading the people that, that he or she is with. So we need to be really wise in how we choose our leaders, our shepherds. Really wise. And we need to be, and whether that's voting choosing them, or whether that's just who we choose to be our influencers. Who are the people around us that are leading us and influences? We need to choose wisely. But of course, there's bad leaders. And it comes down to who are they serving? Because leaders are called to serve. Shepherds are called to serve the sheep and work for the sheep. Leaders are called to serve. But when the leader's heart is corrupt, then what happens is they become self-serving. And they use the people to serve themselves. And um, I've hit a certain age. And it is... It is making life more and more complicated, where I need more and more hands. <laughs> oh, laugh on the inside, please. All right. <laughs> not, not out loud. <laughs> okay. So, is it, you don't need to turn with me. Um, we're going to look at one passage from the Old Testament, one passage from the New Testament. But I am going to look at uh, Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a, a prophet, a man who spoke 
before God to the nation of Israel. He was around about 600 years before uh, Jesus. And so that's the sort of date and the time sort of schedule. So we're in Ezekiel 34. If you want to follow, if you don't, I'm going to read it as, uh, as loudly and as clearly as I can for you. Ezekiel says that the message came to him from God and said, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. Give them this message from God. Destruction is certain for you who feed yourselves instead of your flocks. Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? You drink the milk, you wear the wool, you butcher the best animals, but you let your flocks starve. You've not taken care of the weak. You have not tended the sick or bound up the broken bones. You've not gone looking for them when they've wandered off and are lost. Instead, you've ruled them with force and cruelty. So my sheep have been scattered without a shepherd. They're easy prey for the wild animals. They have wandered through the mountains and hills across the face of the earth, yet no one has gone and no one has gone and searched for them. So there's a, there's a comparison here between what a shepherd should be that looks after his sheep and what a shepherd can be as he lets them down. And Ezekiel speaks that word from God, and it's about the heart of the leader that says, you were supposed to feed them, and instead you fed yourselves. You know, and, and we can look at leaders today, and I think in many ways, Almost every era of human history has had its crisis of leadership, for sure. But I think, you know, maybe more than ever across our world, um, in our homes, in our, in our businesses, we have a crisis of leadership, of hearts that just want to self-serve. But this is how the passage goes on. I'm actually going to read it um, from my notes. It is from the Bible, I promise you. <laughs> um, Ezekiel 34 goes on. This is what the Sovereign Lord says, verse 11. I myself will search, and I will find my sheep. I will be like the shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. I will bring them back home to their own, own land of Israel from among the peoples and the nations. I will feed them on the mountains and by the rivers and by the places where they live. Yes, I will give them good pasture land on the high hills of Israel, and there they will lie down in pleasant paces and feed in the lush pastures of the hills. I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace. I will search for my lost ones who stray, and I will bring them safely home. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak. And he goes on to compare makes a comparison between the other leaders of Israel, those, those shepherds who didn't treat them well, and ends the whole chapter, said, you are my flock, the sheep of my pasture, you are my people, I am your God, your, I, the sovereign Lord, has spoken. And this message of I will be your shepherd and you are my sheep, I will be your God and you are my, will be my people, I will come and dwell amongst you. Go back to the, um, the Israelites wandering in the desert. The whole story of God was about God coming and dwelling amongst them, which is the whole story of Moses building a tabernacle and and, and the sort of presence of God in the midst of the people. It was always God's heart and God's desire that he would be with his people. And now, of course, 
because of the work of Jesus, we translate that much more about God's presence within us through the Holy Spirit. But it's always been there, right the way from the beginning, that it's God's heart to be amongst his people. And it's God's heart to be our shepherd, even if we're dumb sheep. <laughs> and so the problem is that sometimes we can be a little bit foolish, a little bit helpless. And part of God's problem is to put shepherds around us and with us to guide us and give us direction. But God's ultimate solution was to come and be our good shepherd himself. Right in the middle of that passage, the bit that I read, I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be a shepherd. God is speaking to us as sheep. And of course, it's, it's an analogy. But he's speaking to us spiritually, isn't he? It's like spiritually, if you know God, you've probably got at least a bit of a story where he's, he's pulled you out of a ditch of some court spiritually. But if you're like me, you've probably got a story where you leapt for joy and ran around a corner and jumped into a different ditch. <laughs> because we can be a bit foolish and we, can, we, we need people to guide us. We need people to help us. Spiritually, we can, we can eat bad things. Spiritually, we can struggle to recognize what's, what's good and bad, where safe places and unsafe places are. Spiritually, we can put our hope in the wrong places and maybe can't find our way home. Spiritually, we can be a bit helpless and a bit foolish like sheep and be a bit lost. But we can find hope in a God that says, I myself will search and I will find you. Isaiah says, uh, Isaiah is another prophet from the Old Testament, and, and, and he says, we've all gone astray and we've all turned to our own way. And how true that is today. Our own way is the right way in our culture. We, are, we want short-term gain. We want that instant win, that instant gain. We balk at anything. We resist the whole idea that something should lead us or we should be put under any kind of authority. And the irony is, by saying that, we're just choosing to be under the authority of the world and the authority of our culture that leads us and shapes us. And so we enslave ourselves to things like self-image and greed and satisfaction. We pick our own truths and our own direction and our own values. And we don't have anything to steer us and lead us. We don't have a shepherd to guide us. And funnily enough, it doesn't work out for us most of the time. Now let's just jump forward a little bit into the New Testament. And we get a story in John. John 10. Jesus says, John is one of uh, Jesus' best friends who hung out with him quite a bit. And so uh, he's one of my favorite characters in the Bible because he seems to know Jesus really well. Jesus said, let me, see, let me set before you this as plainly as I can. If a person climbs over through the fence of a sheep pen instead of going through the gate, you know he's up to no good. He's probably a sheep rustler. But the shepherd can walk up to the gate and the gatekeeper will open it. The sheep recognize his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and, they, and he leads them out. And when he gets them out, he leads them and they follow because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger because they all scatter. 
Jesus told a simple story, but they actually didn't know what he was talking about. So he said to them again, let me be clear. I am the gate for the sheep, and all those that are up to no good are sheep rustlers, every one of them. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate, he said. Anyone who goes through me will be saved and they'll be cared for. We'll freely go in and out and find pasture, and a thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. I came so that you can have real and eternal life, more and better life than you've ever dreamed of. In a different version, we know that more famously as I've come to have life and life in its fullest. I am the good shepherd, said Jesus. The good shepherd puts the sheep before himself and sacrifices himself if necessary. A hired man's not a shepherd. The sheep mean nothing to him. He doesn't value them. If the wolf comes, he runs away and he leaves them to be ravaged. The sheep don't matter to him, but the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am that good shepherd and I know my own sheep and I, my, I put my own sheep before me. In the same way, the Father knows me and I know the Father. I, I put the sheep before myself and will sacrifice myself for them. So we get the good shepherd. We get Jesus. And what are his characteristics? Well, he knows us by name. He leads us and goes ahead of us. We follow him and we listen to his voice. He's the gate. He's the way into the kingdom of God. And I love this bit. He says, basically, where others are going to run away, I'll never leave you. Where others come and steal and destroy life, I've come to give you life. And I'll lay down my life for you. How are we? I've gone well off track. When did I start? A couple of minutes, wrap it up. All right. So I think we need a shepherd to lead us as sheep because we can be a little helpless, a little foolish. We need a shepherd to lead us, but we need more than that. We need someone to serve, not just someone to follow, but someone to serve. We need a shepherd king. Someone, um, and we can talk about kings and leaders that aren't worth serving. But what if there was one that, like him, who'd go looking for us when we're lost, who'd celebrate when we were found, who'd fight for us and defend us? That's a king worth following. That's a king worth serving. So I, I wasn't brought up in a Christian home, and my, my story starts reading the Bible kind of blindly, hopelessly, helplessly seeking, searching. And as an 18-year-old, uh, what I thought was man, but I now look back and see he was boy, but um, as an 18-year-old man, I looked at that and I read the good news of Jesus for the first time. And my immediate reaction was, if this is real, this is worth everything. And if it's not, then it's not worth anything but a passing interest. And I think... I've tried, but I fail, but I've tried to give my life with that kind of commitment, that it's worth everything. I think that my, my, one of my frustrations at the moment is that in our Western cultural Christianity, we don't want a king, we just want a consultant. We just want someone that we can go to when we need him, 
to answer some questions and fix some problems for us, but we don't want a king we can serve. We don't want one, but I'm here to tell you we need one. We need a shepherd king that will lay down his life for us. We need a king that we can serve, that we know is there for us and loves us. And we need to get back to that radical, life-changing faith. The one that took, I've spent a good bit, a good bit of time in the, in the recent months rereading the Gospels. I am wrapping up, sorry. I'm a shocker for writing good notes and not following them. Um, <laughs> um, I've been rereading the Gospels and Acts, which is the story of Jesus written by his friends, and then the story of those friends establishing the church that has become us lot today. Um, and I am absolutely struck by the change from the end of the stories about Jesus to the beginnings of the stories of the church. You've got characters like Peter, James, and John that you, you might have heard of um, some of you definitely will have heard of. But you've got guys that just don't get it. They, they are sheep. They're helpless and they're a bit foolish. And they just clearly don't get it. Peter even denies he even knows Jesus. <laughs> and then flick over like three, four chapters. And these three, four chapters in the Bible are a matter of a few, few, few weeks. It's not like years. And you've got Peter and his mates radically changing the world. Now what happens? In those few weeks, from being a little bit helpless and a little bit foolish and denying Jesus to creating a movement that goes on to change the world, you get two things happen. You get, they meet the risen Jesus. This is the, this is the little bit of the Bible where we get Jesus risen from the dead and they go and meet him. And Thomas, who doubts, touches him and falls and says, my God and my King. And you get the power of the Holy Spirit comes and fills these guys. And they move from helpless sheep to life-changing shepherds. And that's the transformation. That's the radicalness that I want to get back to and that I hunger for. A risen shepherd king that would lay down his life for us. That we can not only follow, but we can serve. That's the radical, life-changing, spirit-filled faith that I want to try and live out. And that's what I want to encourage us. So, let's pray and respond to that. Hopefully, something in what I said touched you or challenged you. The great thing about preparing a talk is that it's at least 50% about the person preparing it, and I've been challenged and, and wrestling and, and thinking about this myself. So I want to pray for us, and then if you want to respond between you and God, then I would encourage you to just grab you know, one or two people that you know around you. If you don't know anyone here, or you're an uncle, just raise a hand and, and one of the vineyard team or myself, we can come and pray with you for you. Because we've come to meet with God today. We're not necessarily just meeting with one another. It's not my words 
but it's God hopefully speaking to you through me. So I particularly want to pray for anyone who is, is feeling lost. And I, I want to I pray a word of encouragement that your good shepherd is looking for you. And I want to pray that we would encounter Jesus and know his voice. Because that's my prayer for me, but I want it to be for others as well. But that's my prayer, that I would know his voice more so that I can follow him more.